Hello everyone, my name is Caleb. And I'm Ben, and you are listening to Tribal Talk, a Survivor podcast. So Ben. Yes, Caleb. I want to start us off by exclaiming that this episode was easily the best of the season. Oh, gosh. I had chills at the end. We had multiple firsts. We had the first return player voted off. We had the first exciting blind side. We got to see more of the Edge of Extinction. Julia mm-hmm. not only got more airtime than the chickens, but actually had two. <laughs> Count them. Two confessionals. We saw Lasu. Believe it or not, win an immunity challenge. And most of all, strategy was on display this week. So the first question for you is, what was the best strategic move of the episode? That's a good question. I think it only has one answer. Um, maybe two answers. But uh, Victoria, um, blindsiding Aubrey by keeping her in the loop. Um, that actually kept her from playing her idol. Um, Aubrey was, I would say, surprisingly gullible. I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't predict that she would buy what Victoria was saying, hook, line, sinker. Victoria literally said that Aubrey was the only person she could trust. When Victoria has been so tight with everyone else in the tribe right. this entire season long. And Aubrey was just like, okay, yeah, oh, well, uh, is uh, very shocking. Um, so Victoria, good move. I think also, for reasons I'll probably explain later, Rick giving his extra vote to Aubrey um, put him in a really good position. You think so? Why is that? Uh, essentially, now he has an ally with the first or second smartest person on the edge of extinction well i guess so now he he and she can work together on the edge of extinction is your argument yeah i think i think she will because here's here's the thing everyone that aubrey has trusted so far has knifed her in the back uh she doesn't have any single person to trust but when she received that advantage she said now I need to find out who gave me this advantage because now I have someone I can trust. So right. so now that she's been jilted by all these people, she is going to uh, ally with Rick in a very meaningful way. It might it might be one of the stronger partnerships in the season, rivaling even Lauren and Wentworth. That's right. that's my call on that. Yeah, I completely agree that Victoria clearly showed herself to be a strategic nightmare for every single other player in this season. She was orchestrating that blind side like she was Boston Rob on his fourth season. It was mm-hmm. great because we got to see her go to her actual alliance and say, let's go for Aubrey, and I'm going to placate her by saying mm-hmm. that we're going for one of you. And good on Gavin and Eric because a lot of players freak out when mm-hmm. they say, oh, you're going to yeah. tell her my name? Yeah, because a lot of players aren't aren't confident enough to allow that. But they said, okay, and she goes to Aubrey and then makes Aubrey feel like she's part of a blind side against Wendy. And she Mm -hmm. told Aubrey exactly what she wanted to hear. And Aubrey, like you said, just ate it up. 
And I was so impressed by her because Aubrey's, you know, this is her third time. She should be better than this. So I do attribute some of the success to this to the fact that Aubrey, I think, is trying to play differently. And unfortunately, I think that meant poorly in this episode. But I have to attribute a lot of the success of that blind side to Victoria. Probably 90% of it. It was a great move all around. Definitely. I don't think anyone else would have thought of that besides Victoria. I mean, Eric, Eric was all about it. You know, he was on board for sure, but it was Victoria's idea through and through. So good, good move. Good move for her. And here's the thing. Only really Eric and Gavin, now that Wendy's gone, know that Victoria was the orchestrator of that blind side. So Victoria, even though she is now in my mind, the biggest non-return player strategic threat she doesn't have a huge target on her back. So exactly. I do have to ask you next, do you think that there is a stealth strategic threat in this season? Is there someone who's really strategic? I mean, I think Victoria is in the running for this, but someone who's really strategic who doesn't have the target on their back that normally is associated with that? Yeah, uh, and and uh, not surprisingly, I am going with Victoria because you still have Wentworth, Wardog, and David still in the game. Those three are perceived as the most strategic players um, still in the game. Of course, minus Aubrey, who's on the edge of extinction right now. Um, Victoria is making the biggest strategic moves. Um, she actually executed, in my mind, the first true blindside of the season. For because, sure. Because it was the first blindside where the target had an idol and did not play it. Right. So... Um, that's that's in my mind that's the true test of a blindside if you can make someone feel that comfortable then you've done something correctly especially someone as historically skittish as aubrey someone who's mm -hmm. in the past been highly skeptical i totally agree that victoria because like i said not very many people know that she masterminded that move i think i do think that she is probably the single biggest stealth strategic threat. But if we're looking at um, pairs or even alliances, I think that the next best option is now the Kelly and Lauren alliance. And that's because they now possess two hidden immunity idols. Mm -hmm. Huge advantage. And no one knows about them except for each other. I still didn't like that Lauren told Kelly that she had one. And I think she almost was like, she almost felt like she had to out of reciprocation because she saw Kelly get hers. But Mm -hmm. I'm hoping, and Kelly's had immunity idols in the past. She knows what to do and what not to do. I'm hoping that they know to both keep their mouths shut and don't go to anyone else and tell anyone under any circumstances that they have them. They don't need to know that you're saving their butts until you save them, right? Right. So I think that they are probably the runner-up in that position because if you look at how tight their alliance is and you look at the fact that they do have those two idols, no one else even comes close in terms of, you know, aggregate power. So Joe has made it this far, um, kind of executed stage one of his plan, which was to make it to the merge. Do you think that Joe has set himself up to go all the way this season? I think that he's done the best that he can because this episode heavily discussed how no matter how hard he tries, what is he supposed to do? Not win in challenges, not work around camp. And I was happy to see that his 
strategy of making himself essential was at least working on Ron in the short term. We haven't had the opportunity to see if Joe is truly on the bottom of his tribe or not because he has yet to go to tribal. And what I'm hoping to see soon is whether any of the attempted alliances that he's made with Julia and Ron hold any water. If I was in Joe's shoes, I think his next best option, really his only option, is now to go to Kelly and David and be like, hey, look, we're all return players and I can be your shield. They're not going to take their eyes off of me until I'm gone. So while I'm here, you two are safe. Why don't we all work together? And I think that would be a powerhouse, at least for the next you know, two or three votes after the merge, if they choose to do that. But I do think that if Joe loses an immunity, the odds are highly stacked against him, and he's going to find himself on the edge of extinction unless something crazy happens. Maybe there'll be another idol after the merge. Probably mm-hmm. not, though. There's already three that have been found. None have been played yet. So so what do you think? So I have some thoughts on this. First, Joe has been trying to form bonds this entire game long. Um, several times he's talked to Ron. And every time Ron goes to confessional, he says he alludes to basically this um, deceitful strategy, essentially to trick Joe into thinking that they are, um, quote, good with each other, end quote. Right. Which Ron, you know, has has basically implied that it's all a ruse. Right. So Joe has been, to our knowledge, unsuccessful creating bonds. Um, I think he has too large of a target on his back. I think that this will probably mean other people will not align with him because what that does is it puts a target on your back as well because you're saying, I'm going to use Joe to get as far as I can in the game. Right. And what that means is Joe wins immunity. Then there's you. So you're option number one for everyone to vote for. So I think that will keep people from aligning with him post-merge. And if that is true and it keeps everyone away, then he'll be gone as soon as he doesn't win. Um, So another point kind of on that, once the merge happens, um, all the other physical threats will be safe until Joe is gone. And the reason is because everyone knows they need the physical threats to compete with Joe for the individual immunities. So those people in my mind are war dog, Eric and possibly Lauren. Did you see Um, war dog this episode, man? Did you see him? Yeah. He looked like, I mean, so he drops David, he drops Lauren. Mm -hmm. He couldn't hit those targets with those bean bags to save his life. Lauren, who hasn't eaten in like a week, managed to actually hit him a couple times. War dog physically, this, this entire episode I found to be extremely disappointing. Or at least he doesn't seem to be anywhere near as athletic as I thought he was. Uh, well, okay, here's the thing. He's been carrying that team on his back this entire time. A team of completely incapable uh, players, in my right. mind. They're they're all terribly unathletic. Um, we literally saw Wentworth during the first challenge crying with her face down on the raft, refusing to go into the water. And and here's the thing, I think Wardog is by far the best at the most physical person that Lasu had on their squad, and they relied on him so often. 
Um, kind of to get back to my point, though, I think I think the weak people will be the first to go while Joe is still in the game. And I think that will be uh, Wentworth, Julie, Aurora, Gavin, and Victoria. The, the physically less strong, less capable people are going to be kind of lower on the totem pole um, because of that physical presence that Joe has. Um, once Joe's gone, of course, all that shifts back um, to where now the most physical person might be the biggest target um, just because of the immunity challenges and the, and the, the way those work. So um, another point on Joe, Ron knows... Um, at this point that Joe does not have an idol. So I think Joe is going to be the biggest target the entire rest of the season. As long as he is on the island, I think Joe will be public enemy number one. So one thing that I think would actually help Joe is if he would stop making everyone so comfortable. Um, what I think he should do is stop catching as many fish um, post-merge so that people don't take him for granted. Once everyone gets a little bit hungrier, they'll start to appreciate Joe and his ability to catch fish. And I think Joe needs to realize that. I don't know if he can um, realize that. He hasn't realized it so far. Um, You made a good point about Ron valuing Joe uh, because of his provision, but I don't think that would be enough to save him in in a tribal council situation. Not anymore. I mean, there's only what three more weeks basically 20 ish more days that people have to go through i think we're getting to the point where people are going to be willing to go without for at least a while in the short term because now that they're in the merge can see the end game and they're going to go for it here's the thing too it's easy to say that you don't need joe when your belly is full of fish but if you put joe on a tribe like lasu who's known nothing but hunger Joe would be the last person you would vote out because everyone wants food. Everyone wants someone who who can, you know, fix the shelter and and take care of them and, you know, keep them warm at night even. Um, but ultimately, Joe can't win every single challenge post-merge. So right. the first one he loses, I think he's going to be out. Yeah, I, I do think that he could make it through if he teams up with people like Kelly and David, and then by proxy, Lauren Ward, I won't want to team up with them, that's for sure. But I think Kelly and David do have a vested interest in keeping the strongest physical return player in the game because it definitely keeps the target off of their backs every single week that he's there. Unless he gets too deep into the merge, even they will have to vote against them because he could just win out and go all the way to final tribal that way. Another player that I personally was surprised about this episode and it's probably a combination that joe pointed it out and that she actually had more airtime than she has the entire season so far but joe pointed out that julia is actually fairly competent and i think pretty good in these challenges and we saw that she was good in the water she was one of the few female players i was able to get underwater and actually pull that locking mechanism out so that way the puzzle piece could float to the top and do you think that she actually is a long-term physical threat or do you think that's something that joe was trying to say to not only pat her on the back but make her feel some you know camaraderie with him yeah i think really what we saw was the first emotionally intelligent move that joe has made so far um in the game i think he tried to connect with julia 
by making her think that she needs him, essentially giving her a taste of fear that there might be a target on her back. And he feels that as long as she is, you know, she feels like she's in the same boat as him, maybe they'll both start paddling the same direction, essentially. Right. I think it was a smart move. I don't think that Julia, and I wish I knew her better, but I don't think that Julia is going to um, buy it hook, line, and sinker. I think she's... I think she's probably smart enough to go with the majority and to kind of distance herself from Joe the best that she can. The next thing I do want to talk about is that we were told at the end of this episode that not only are the tribes merging, but that someone is actually returning from the edge of extinction. Who do you think that's most likely to be? Now we have to summarize. We have in order of elimination, we have Reem, Keith, Chris, Rick, Aubrey, and Wendy. Out of those six, who do you think is most likely to return? I think part of it depends on how the return is going to be decided. Um, Obviously, there is some sort of individual aspect to it. We saw, um, obviously, Keith get the advantage that allows him to slow down one of the other tribe members. So you know they're competing against each other. It's my boy Rick. It is 100% Rick. Um, That was my call from episode three before rick was even sent to the island um i think that he's likable he's smart he's good at puzzles he's physical enough he wants it really bad and now he has an alliance with one of the smartest if not the smartest and most strategic members uh of the edge of extinction crowd in aubrey so i i think it's got to be it's got to be rick what do you think I think that Rick is definitely a contender really out of those six. Reem and Keith, in my opinion, are out of the running from the start. They're not good at puzzles. They're not good at physical challenges, <laughs> right? There's nothing there for him. Jeez. The only interesting thing that Keith has done this season, in my opinion, was grow a mind of his own and rebel against his mother and try to go get the advantages while everyone else and was sitting fail around. And right? utterly fail. I mean, Chris like put his finger on his shoulder and Keith flopped harder than an NBA player. <laughs> it was crazy. So, yeah. so I think they're out of the running from the start. So that leaves you Chris, Wendy, Aubrey, and Rick. Out of those four, I actually think the people who are going to be most in the running, because I do think it will be more of a puzzle-type challenge or a you know, a dexterity-type challenge, not so much a physical brute strength challenge. I think mm-hmm. these types of challenges are more like the Redemption Island challenges where it's about setting up blocks in a domino fashion or about moving you know, something through a system of, of, you know, levers, something like that, right? And mm-hmm. I think those challenges are going to lend themselves to, like you said, Rick, but I also think that Aubrey and Wendy are in the running. I think mm-hmm. Chris would be, except Keith told us he plans on using his penalty on Chris. And I think that that may be enough mm-hmm. to take him out of the running. Also, his athleticism may not be as good of a advantage as it was before, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be Rick, I hope. I love Aubrey. I really do. But this season, she's been more disappointing to me than anything. Yeah. Rick, on the other hand, has been a constant delight, and there'd mm-hmm. be nothing I'd love to see more than to see him come into the merge right now when David needs him most, and they can link back up and have a successful alliance again. I think that they would be extremely powerful mm-hmm. would Rick find himself back in the game. We'll have to see, though. With those types of things, any type of small slip-up can spell disaster. I think Rick also is probably going to be a contender because back-to-back with those you know, map puzzles, he was the only person who even had a clue. 
Aubrey mm-hmm. didn't know what she was doing. Rick was like, oh, yeah, this is what we do. We fold it. And then he unfortunately did it in front of everyone else. And then the second time he folded it again and figured it out and figured out to go look by the mask. And he was right next to where it was. Man, I was hoping I was hoping so bad that he would find that. But I, I think he still would have done the same thing that Keith did with it. I think he would have put it on Chris because Chris is the most athletic. True. It's not a huge disadvantage. It just really showed me how incompetent Reem is, though, man. Yeah, I think I think Wendy has a decent shot too of you know making it through she's obviously uh, shown her prowess at puzzles um she's also good at swimming if that has anything to do with it we don't know um so i can see wendy probably i doubt even though aubrey hey, wants can you call her so, big wendy i'm sorry yes i'm so sorry big wendy uh i i i think big wendy um would be the closest to beating rick i still think rick will win um aubrey i just can't even though she wants it so bad and she has that immunity idol she has the extra vote if she can get back in the game she could cause a lot of damage with those two fun thing though that you should know when the immunity idol instructions were shown on screen this season when aubrey found her idol the instructions were shown on screen and i was able to find a screenshot of that and it said that if you are voted out of the game the idol loses its power so the idol is now useless. Oh, now I don't what? think that clause. I don't think that clause is normally in there. Maybe it is, but I think they may have added wow. it this season. So that if someone goes to the edge of extinction with the idol, and they manage to return, mm. the idol is then useless. I don't know if Aubrey has realized that. She probably has. She is perfectly intelligent. The flip side, though, is that I did pause my television last night while I was watching the episode, and I did verify that the extra vote does not have that same clause. So, so the extra vote that. is still good, right? Whereas the immunity idol, to my knowledge, is useless. So do you think that the the difficult and the combative nature of the edge of extinction will force someone to quit or convince them to quit? Um, when they find out that only one player gets to re-enter the game? I think it's possible. I don't think it's that likely, but I do think it's possible. I look at Reem and Keith as candidates for that, and that's for two reasons. Mm-hmm. Number one, I don't think that either one of them have a chance of winning their way back into the game. So I think mm-hmm. they're going to have to spend more time on the edge of extinction. The second part of that <laughs> is that they've been out there the longest, right? <laughs> so miserable. I mean, Reem has been out there now for over 10 days. She's been out there so long, and Keith went out there shortly thereafter. Oh so they've gosh. both been out there for over a week, I think nearly two weeks by the time someone's going to go back into the game. Mm-hmm. And here's what's going to become apparent with them. They're going to realize, hey, we've been out here for a freaking long time, right? And yeah. then they're going to see what it took for someone to get back in the game. And they're going to think to themselves, hmm, other big threats, Eric, Gavin, Joe, potentially, <laughs> are going to be sent out here. Are we really going to be able to beat them? No. I don't think no. they're that dumb. I think they're going to be like, yeah, you know what? We're not going to beat them. Why are we going to sit out here for another two weeks and suffer just to be beat out by Joe when he inevitably gets sent out here. And I think they're going to raise that flag. I think they'll eventually make that calculation. If they don't make that calculation, which, by the way, that's a correct calculation. They're not getting back in the game. If they don't mm-hmm. get in this next no, time, not. if they're they don't get in not. this time, this is their easiest opportunity. And if they don't they're make not, it back mm-hmm. in now, that's it. They're not making there's, it back. There's in. no way. Right. There's no so, way they're making it back. So they need to make that calculation. And once they realize it, I hope that they raise the mast. You don't need to suffer needlessly. Do you think that there's a candidate besides those two? 
Uh, no, no, I don't think, uh, I don't think Keith is going to make it. Reem is completely unlikable, and by now she should know that. Um, I don't know that she does, obviously. Um, I, I can see Chris, Rick, I can see Aubrey and Wendy all sticking it out. None of them labored over the, the decision at all. Um, and other, outside of them quitting for a medical concern, I really don't see any of those people voluntarily leaving the game. Do you think, though, that Wendy maybe, because she's so happy-go-lucky, and she even said, if I get voted out now, there's nothing to be sad about that. You know, she seems like so chill, so go with the flow. Do you think that she'll just stay to hang out, or do you think she'll just go because she's done with it? I don't. See, I don't, I don't take Wendy's attitude that way. I don't think that she doesn't care about the game. I think that she's just the type of person who's happy in whatever situation she's in. I think she's just really got um, a strong perspective on this being a game, you know, on this being an opportunity. Of course, you know, you want to win, but if you don't win, you still like had this awesome experience. I, I didn't take Wendy's attitude that way. I don't see her as a quitter or someone with a bad attitude or or someone who doesn't appreciate the game. Uh, and you can see that by the way that she <laughs> treats the decision. She literally reads just one side of the sign. She's like, go that way to leave. And she's like, well, I'm going this way. Right. <laughs> she grabs the torch. She has n- absolutely no interest in voluntarily leaving this game. I agree. Um, and I just don't think, I don't think people um, want to work with her because they, they don't understand her. And if they don't understand her, she's not, they, they can't predict what she's going to do. Right. And if they can't predict her vote, then she's of no use to them in, in voting blocks or alliances. Right. They or certainly otherwise. can't count on her when they need her. She maybe could be a good goat contender, but that's about it. Like you said in episodes past. I, I, I don't know. I don't know that she can be, uh, well, I guess she could be a goat just because she hasn't made a strategic move yet. Yeah. But she hasn't been a goat in challenges. She's been, you know, very, very good in challenges. And as much as, uh, you know, people dislike her chicken deal, whatever that is, I think that they still find her fairly likable. And if she got into a final tribal, I would, I would think she would have a decent shot regardless of who she went with. I still think that people might perceive her as a goat and might take her, string her along, but it's hard to do that with someone you can't count when you can't count on their vote. Take us to the next question. How bad, looking back at LSU, how bad were they really? What kind of legacy did they leave Survivor Nation? So when I think of the Lasu tribe, right? So we have Manu, and then we have Manu Light, which is the Lasu or the Cleveland Browns, or the Dodos, as David dubbed them, which I thought was so funny. Did you know that he's actually a television writer for comedies? That Yeah. that yes. Which is fitting. I feel like it yes, makes it sense is. now because he was like, yeah, we're the last four Dodos. Scientists have already quit looking for us. And I was like, they, yeah, man. Yep. yep, you are. You are correct. But the Lasso tribe made me think of the other two infamously bad tribes i can think of mm-hmm. the first one that i can think of is all the way back in season 27 blood versus water which is the mana tribe which was the yes. which was the new players this wasn't the return players this was the return this was the new players and they lost three immunity challenges in a row 
which at that point was considered absolutely terrible. And mm-hmm. LeSue said, hold my beer. We can one-up you, right? Oh, yeah. The other one I think of was on Malcolm's first season, Malcolm Freberg's yeah. first season when he was on there with Denise. And he and Denise were on a tribe called Matsing. And they went all the way down to Malcolm and Denise. They lost every single person on their tribe, except for Malcolm and Denise. And then they did a tribe that was switch. A good season. It was a that great was a season. season. Great season. But that's the other tribe I think of that is super bad. But none of them have been as bad as Lasso. So you basically have them within the course of six tribal councils. Go to five of them. Five. It's insane. They it's squeaked insane. out not losing someone. Yeah, they squeaked out not losing someone in the sixth, but they went to one, two, three, four, skip number five, and they were back in it for six. Unbelievably bad. What do you think? Is there anyone worse than them? I, I couldn't, I can't think of a single tribe that has just imploded on, on television uh, so terribly. I mean, they're bad. They're, they're really bad. They're really, really bad. They're bad at swimming. They, as a tribe, are uncoordinated. They're flat out incompetent at puzzles. They try hard. They, that's the thing. They really want to win. Even when, during the first challenge of episode five, Wentworth is laying face down on the raft, crying during the diving portion. Um, the only physical player they have is War Dog. And so War Dog jumps into the water, gets their comeback started. And um, it takes effort from both David and Lauren to get the second piece of the puzzle. David solves the puzzle and they win their first immunity. Uh, and man, it's just, it's been so hard to watch Lasso and then to top it off the way that Lauren and Wentworth badmouth War Dog's effort. It, it just it baffles me how, how little self-awareness they have that Wentworth is literally the biggest, has been the biggest liability on their tribe, uh, even even as much as Keith, in my opinion. I, I don't know, man. I have to disagree with you a little bit because I think what made them upset with War Dog wasn't necessarily his performance in previous immunity challenges. I think in this episode, he looked pretty bad in all the challenges, but I agree on the whole, he hasn't been, certainly hasn't been the worst on his tribe. That's for sure. No, but he's what been the him, best. He's been the best. Well, who I has mean, been better than him? Well, in this episode, who is better than him? On his tribe, this episode, I think Lauren was better than him. Are you kidding? I think Lauren was better in the challenge where they had to throw the beanbags. Warren Dog looked absolutely terrible. Okay, he there. couldn't throw. He I'm just saying throw. it's not a given. But here's my thing with War Dog is that it wasn't really his performance in immunity challenges that I think made his tribe dislike him. It mm-hmm. was that around camp he didn't contribute, and he also wasn't willing to go along with other people's strategic ideas. So, you know, Kelly's basically like, War Dog is going full Tony on us, and I just have to kind of keep him contained and say, oh, that sounds good to me, and hope that she doesn't actually have to act out anything that he suggests. And even in the tribal, where it was both tribes voting out one person, they eventually did what War Dog wanted, and it worked. It was an awesome move. But See, I don't think War Dog is listening to them. No, no, no. War Dog, I don't think he's I don't think he's good at listening. I think David is a is a fair comparison. And uh I don't think he's thinking about the way that he's being perceived. But still he's the best strategist. And when Wentworth lays her ideas out there, so during the before the final tribal uh of episode five, 
Wentworth says just some brief words about Victoria and then uh and then Wardog comes in with his ideas and then just completely shuts her down. She doesn't say she's so passive and honestly so is David. They're so willing to to ascribe to his ideas that you know then they can blame the problems on Wardog if they don't work out. No one wants to stick their neck out there and make strategic decisions. So that means a player like Wardog who's going, as I said earlier this season, guns blazing, completely takes control. Now, if they actually had a problem with the ideas Wardog had, they would have voted him out long ago. But the problem is he's the act- he's actually their best strategist on their tribe. And when they went with his ideas, it actually ended up working. I it's not it's not his ideas that I have a problem with, or I think even they have a problem with. I think it's how he speaks about them to them. I think he's just been delegating and dictating what they do rather than allowing it to kind of be an organic discussion. And I think that's why they dislike him at this point. The here's the thing for Wardog. He was in a position where I thought after last episode those four remaining Lasso were all going to be tight. And now we see that Lauren and Kelly are super tight. And David is even in there a little bit. David said this episode, I'm trying to get Wentworth out from day one. You know what? Maybe I need to work with her. Maybe that's my path to day 39, right? And yeah. now Wardog is the last person on that tribe. And they should have been tight. And Wardog, I think, did that to himself. No, I, I don't think he did it to himself. I think... Uh, Lauren and Wentworth were tight from the very, very beginning. And Wardog was trying to find out where he was in that alliance. And so when he targeted Lauren, uh, he was he was basically trying to feel out whether Wentworth was interested in voting her out. And when she basically said no, Wardog knew, okay, I'm number three. And there's no way on a tribe of four he could get Lauren out without without Wentworth. And if he did uh get Lauren out without Wentworth then Wentworth is public enemy number one and he's wanted to pair with Wentworth this entire game long right I don't think it's because of Wardog that he's number three I think if he was the perfect player and it was perfectly nice Wentworth and Lauren would still be the tightest and Wardog would be number three at best I I completely agree I do think this is a great time though to talk about what going into the merge means Who do you think or what combination of players do you think has the most power going into the merge? So uh, the answer to this depends on what you mean by power. Um, Are we talking about who has, you know, the most the most power to act or who is in the best position moving forward in the game? Um, Because obviously Wentworth and Lauren still both have their idols and nobody else knows about them. But. They don't really have any strong alliances outside of, you know, just them two, especially since they've started to alienate Wardog um, in their tribal camp. And Wardog knows that he's at least number three, if not number four on their tribe right now. I think right. that and and David, I, I would not count on him to not jump ship as soon as it becomes valuable to him. So I think I think Wentworth and Lauren have idols so they have power, but I don't think they have friends. So I don't think that they're in a good um, position strategically moving forward. Uh, Wardog, he knows he's number three in the alliance at least because he went after Lauren and Wentworth shut him down. So uh, I don't think Wardog will be a target until Joe is gone because he is honestly one of maybe maybe two people 
between Wardog and Eric who can possibly challenge Joe for immunity um, on a physical standpoint. I think that Gavin may also be in the running there because mm-hmm. he torched the other two on the mm-hmm. beanbag throwing challenge. That's now, true. Now, granted, he may just play baseball. Maybe that's yeah. his one. Maybe he's a one trick pony. That's possible. But Gavin looked to be pretty athletic in that moment, at least. That's true. And Gavin has a good um, combination of brains and and a little bit of brawn. Um, but I think I think between Lauren, Gavin, Eric, and uh, Wardog, I don't think any of those will be the first target. Assuming that Joe wins immunity in uh, the first episode after the merge, right? So. I think the best position, though, strategically has to be Victoria because she has, even though she doesn't have an immunity idol, she has the strongest alliance going into uh, the merge. Now, it kind of depends on how the game plays out, whether it's going to be voter blocks based on who's the biggest threat or if there are actually going to be alliances this season. And there are a lot of people who have said, including Victoria herself, that she has no problem backstabbing any of her right. her friends. So Which I may is be complete- so cool, by the way. When she yeah, said that, I was like, wow, you are so cool. <laughs> well, Ron has said similar things. Yeah. Um, I, I think David has definitely said similar things in his uh, different seasons. But I think... So I think it depends on what kind of game is going to be played. I think between Wardog and Victoria, and honestly, whoever returns from Edge of Extinction, as long as it's not Reem or Keith um, or Chris. But I think I think any of those people could be in a really good strategic position um, because most of them are still fairly well-liked, well-respected. Who do you think going into the merge has the most power at this point? I think it's a question of which of our main alliances have the most power. And I think the two contenders are the Lauren and Kelly Alliance or the Victoria, Gavin, Eric Alliance. And here's why. I think that Lauren and Kelly have a strong advantage from the get-go, obviously because they're tight. They've shown that to each other multiple times, and like we've discussed a bunch already, they both have hidden immunity idols. So they're good for two tribals if they play those correctly, at least two tribals. And I think that they're also positioned. Yes, I mean, it's definitely a big if. I also think that they are positioned out of the way that the alliances have been drawn that they have a couple other people that would be better off for that player and for Lauren and Kelly if they work together. And those players are David and Joe. And here's why. I think they need to pull in David for a vote. And I think David would be willing to vote with them because he knows them and he gravitates towards being loyal. He knows them better than he knows any of the other players. So I think he's going to be more willing to work with Kelly and Lauren, especially after what we saw last episode. And then I think Joe is that next person. I think he'll vote with them out of necessity. He, he can come to them and say, hey, look, I'll be your shield, but you need to keep me around for a little bit longer. And us return players are going to be better off together. So I think that mm. Lauren and Kelly could kind of demand that of those people. And I think that they really don't have another place to turn. We've already seen that Victoria and Ron and Julie specifically all want to get Joe out. Right? We know that Eric and Gavin mm-hmm. want to get Joe out. Where else is Joe going to go? He only has one option. 
and it's the other return players. So I think we're going to see them team up. Yeah, I can see that, but I still don't think that they'll keep him around after he loses an immunity challenge. They may not. I, especially I not Wentworth, dude. Especially not Wentworth. She she does not think long-term strategy. She always just thinks about who you know, when do we get out the biggest threat? That's all she's thinking about all game long. Well, and as we saw this episode, the whole Lasu tribe was getting extremely annoyed with the Kama tribe's continued success. Definitely. And Wentworth said what you said last episode, which is that Joe's been carrying the entire tribe on his shoulders this entire season. It's completely true. Yep. It's completely yep. true. So they have a lot of harbored resentment against Joe that could come back and hurt him, even though I think he's doing the best he can. But I think that Joe will still have to try to work with them. The other alliance that could go into the merge being really powerful is Victoria, Gavin, and Eric. And that's just because they seem to work well strategically. Gavin mm-hmm. and Eric seem to know a good idea when they see it. So when Victoria says, here's a good strategic idea, they look mm-hmm. at it and they go, yep, that makes sense. That may break down because Victoria is willing to break that down. So we'll see what happens there. But if those three stay tight, at least for the first couple of votes, and act as a voting block, I think they could be a, a strong influence on the outcome of those votes absolutely and in a and in a game of voting blocks and a game without alliances necessarily i think a threesome could have a lot of sway over the way the game is played in the in the, the rest of the season right because how many players do we have left i mean so we started out with 18 we have six on the edge of extinction right so that means there's 12 remaining and one's mm-hmm. going to come back in right so that means we have 13 left in the game so three out of that is pretty significant especially when you consider that those are all original kama people and they could team up with those old kama people like ron and julie and julia and form a pretty strong alliance from the start hey 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 caleb yeah caleb these are some things that reem literally said we need a pact before we go to the map location everyone eat before we go it's good to have a mom on your tribe where is keith Go down there and see if he is left. God darn it. That is disappointing, dude. I am disappointed. Do you guys have a map? Hurry up. Put on your shoes. Finish your Cheerios. Close that door. You weren't raised in a barn. These are all things that she literally said. Also, Reem, in episode one, I don't want to be known as the mom on Survivor. <laughs> oh so, my so Caleb, my question to you is, how well has Reem done at disguising the fact that she is the mom on Survivor? I thought this episode showed us how bad Reem was as a player through a very specific lens. And the lens was when Reem spotted something of value, she went, ooh, what's that? And then Keith <laughs> bent down and picked it up, right? Right? That's exactly what happened. And then she goes, I didn't give it away to him. The flip side is then you have Lauren, who's looking for the idol, and you have Kelly, who's looking for the idol, and Wardog is looking for the idol, and Kelly sees it, and she knows Wardog is right there, and then she lets him go, and then she grabs it. She doesn't go, mm-hmm. ooh, what's that? She just waits, and then gets it mm-hmm. later, which is exactly what Reem should have done. Would it have changed anything? Maybe not. She probably would have just played it against Rick instead of Chris because I don't know which <laughs> one she dislikes more. But that's about it. But what were you going to say? Well, so here's the thing, right? Because you, you hear um, from fans talking all the time about how we want to see a tribe of first outs, right, from previous seasons. 
this season has gifted us uh, the ability to watch someone who's voted first out play a significant part of the game. And what we have seen is just complete and utter incompetence. We've seen <laughs> and complete I, validation as to why she was uh, voted absolutely. out first. And, and in my mind, it, it sheds a lot of light on the whole first out situation. I think that there are very few exceptions when the worst player on the season was not voted out first. And those were seasons when we had returning players who were just too big of a threat. Right, like Sierra in uh, Game Changers and Randy in Heroes versus Villains and things like that. Other than that, they were probably all correct first votes. Right, I agree. Right. So it's been fascinating and definitely darn good television. But my gosh, I mean, just so utterly incompetent. And I'm sure she's a great mom. I, I'm sure, look, I, I have nothing against her as a person. But as a player, I can't remember someone just being just so terrible. It is a pity that, in a way, the Edge of Extinction has allowed her to show her incompetence in perpetuity, right? And mm -hmm. we don't have any guarantees that she's going to be done after this next episode, right? Mm -hmm. She may keep on going. We may see Reem for the majority of the season. Who knows? But with that, I do think we should wrap it up. So thank you all for listening. If you can all leave us a review or some feedback on our page on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, we would really appreciate that. You can find us on Twitter at TribalTalkPod on Twitter or at TribalTalkPod at gmail.com. Feel free to send us some feedback through there. Other than that, we will catch you next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.